Is... Is that... That's it? This is it? This is... Great War Day 2023? This is it? This is what we're getting? Hi. Welcome to Atomic Radio Hour, the post-nuclear podcast. The show that dives into the wreckage of this post-apocalyptic. I'm your host, Vince. Welcome. It is episode 277. It's a whole lot for you. Welcome to the program. Thank you for joining me today. I'm just going to get right into it. Uh, Great War Day came and went. I was really expecting to see we were going to get like a, a Fallout 3 remake remaster announcement. Maybe even the Fallout 4 next-gen update. There was a ton of things that I thought we were definitely going to see. And then as you can see behind me, we didn't really get much other than... I don't even know if Bethesda themselves... I think Fallout tweeted like, Happy Bomb Drop Day or, or Great War Day, whatever, or Fallout Day. But like, I think Amazon is like really the only person who was like, Hey, um, the show's coming out and we have a date now. It's 4-12 of 2024. So April 12, 2024. Apparently a lot of British people thought that it was coming out in December. That is not the case. But at least we know now that we're going to be getting the show sooner rather than later. It's currently October, so November, December, January, February, March, April. So we got to wait six months and then we'll have it. So hopefully we'll have a trailer. I bet you any amount of money, like as I'm saying this, the trailer, like as I'm editing this, the trailer is going to come out. I don't really know if that's going to happen, but I kind of want it to happen. So I'm saying it. I'm speaking it into existence. Kind of just a lackluster fallout day. Just I, at work, I got to talk about it, which was cool. Uh, my buddy that I, I work with, we were talking about it, and I was like, oh, isn't this cool? Isn't this dope? Isn't this rad? Isn't this badass or whatever? Like, it was just, it was cool. Just, you know, I was at work, like, with my phone open the entire time on Twitter, refreshing constantly, going like, all right, where is it? And I think I have, I have notifications on from before Fallout 4 was announced for Bethesda's YouTube, thinking, okay, well, I'll get this or I'll get that. So I was just waiting and waiting, and as soon as it was here, man, it was gone. We didn't really get much, but hey, maybe next year we'll get a huge day. So what I'm kind of thinking, I'm thinking one year sometime soon, we're going to get like a massive day. Like we're going to get a day, even if it's not like a great war day, we're going to get like, hey, here is a bunch of information for you. Here is uh, games coming out. Here's updates coming out. Here's stuff on whatever they're doing with 76. Here's shit on the show. Here's a comic book. Fallout would work perfectly as a comic book. If the special edition of New Vegas has taught me anything, they could do a limited run of like 12 issues, do a year's run one. I, I'd go to my comic book store yesterday and get a subscription for it just to make sure I had all of them. I'd probably still buy the trade paperback. And if they did like 12 different stories every year for an amount of time and they were just like here's a compendium here's an omnibus i'd probably buy them i'd probably get them all because i love this stuff but hey at least we know the show's coming out i would have liked a trailer there's a leaked trailer that has come out that fallout films on twitter has posted and apparently it's still up it hasn't been taken down so who knows man anyway if you were there if you celebrated if you partook if you noticed anything about it happy great war day happy fallout day happy bombs drop day i hope you had a blast doing something whether it was playing new vegas again or four again or three or the older titles play fallout one again it's probably been a minute since you've played it go play or you may have never played it it's on game pass it's like five bucks on steam 
It's very hard. I've yet to beat it. I'll be the first to admit it, but you should give it a try because it is a ton of fun. So I'd like to get into this week's lore. It's the last week, the last weekend of Monster Month. Happy Monster Month to all those who celebrated. Happy Halloween. This comes out a couple days before Halloween. I hope you guys uh, were safe where I'm from. Halloween was never on Halloween. Trick or Treat Night was never on Halloween. It was always like the Tuesday or the Thursday or the Wednesday. It was some day beforehand. It never made sense. In my entire life, I've probably gone trick or treating on Halloween maybe four times. And you know, you got about 14 years of give or take of trick-or-treating in you, and I just didn't, I just didn't do any of it on the actual day. So, happy Halloween, happy Monster Month. I have a great piece of lore, one of my most favorite characters from the entire series I have to talk about. Uh, but before I talk about that, I gotta get into the Patreon. Now, because of the Patreon, the show be, is getting to be bigger and stronger and harder and faster. I have a very light spoiler for what the third segment is, but I have a very, 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 very light, almost bounding. For those who don't know, bounding is uh, what you do at Disney because you can't cosplay, you can't dress up. But something about kids not wanting to, like, if you're rude to a kid, they don't want the kid thinking that that's the character and ruining it for them. Uh, very light cosplay that I'm going to be doing for the Fallout New Vegas Day in Good Springs. And it's not even from New Vegas. I, I uh, have a thing. It's actually, I'm looking at it right here. I have something going on on my, my desk, or my desk, on my uh, desk chair. And little things like this, equipment you know, fixing things is all possible because of the Patreon. There's some people that I have to thank that have been supporting the Patreon. So starting from the top, I have to thank the OG Noah. Thank you, Noah. After Noah, I have to thank Danny. Thank you, Danny. After Danny, I have to thank Marcus. Thank you to Marcus. After Marcus, I have to thank Mellow Millhouse. Thank you to Mellow Millhouse. And last, but certainly not least, I have to thank Captain Lennox. Thank you to Captain Lennox. Again, in the Discord, there are a bunch of different tiers from the $1 tier to the $10 tier. I ask a poll every week. This week I forgot, and I apologize. I'll get into it in a second. Uh, but I ask a poll every week, and your voice is heard when it comes time to choose the lore. At the $10 tier, you can sit in the Discord and listen to these episodes get recorded live. You become a studio audience. That's why it's called the Film Live Before a Studio Audience tier. So thank you. I appreciate you. I love you. Thank you for believing in me, and thank you for letting the show grow a little bit bigger and a little bit better every single week. So for the final installment of Monster Month, I forgot to ask a poll. That's entirely my fault. I had a very busy weekend um, between moving things around, making sure that all of my things were set. Uh, I have to book a room soon for Fall at New Vegas Day in Good Springs. I have to get some things together. I'm going to be driving out there. Uh, there's a few things that I was testing and doing and making sure, and I to totally slipped my mind having to make a poll. So I sat down and I just Googled characters that have evil karma in Fallout flat. I thought it would give me pretty much everything, even if it would interpret it, even if I didn't get like a Reddit search or a wiki search, it would give me like an interpretation of, hey, Fallout 4 doesn't have karma, but these are the characters I think would be evil. Stuff like that, right? So, one of the first characters I see is one of my favorite characters in the entire series. Probably top five. Probably top five. 
And it's a character that I think is really kind of misunderstood, a character who's incredibly underutilized, not by the makers of the game, but of his own faction. And when I saw his name pop up, I don't think I've ever done his lore before, and if I did in the past, I doubt I did it justice. So I thought, you know what, let me do it now. If you'd like to hear any lore, and I mean any lore whatsoever, consider joining the Patreon, because even at the $1 tier, your voice is heard every single week when I ask a poll, and in that poll there will be two options you get to choose, and that's the lore that I do for the week. So this week's lore, usually I ask Patreon, but like I said, I uh, totally slipped my totally slipped my mind to do it. But this week's lore comes to you by way of me on Vulpus and Kulta from Fallout New Vegas. Vulpus and Kulta, for those who don't know, is a Latin name. Vulpus meaning fox and inculta meaning uncultivated or rough. He's a man who firmly believes in Kaisar's teachings. He believes vehemently in what Kaisar believes in and what he has to say. If you ask him, you can, you can talk to uh, Vulpus Inculta and ask him, tell me about the Legion. He says, the Legion is civilization reborn. Our culture is based on virtues such as martial excellence, loyalty, and justice. Legate Lanius, monster of the East, will soon arrive to command Kaisar's troops in battle. The dam will fall, and the rest of the profligate West will soon follow. This is someone who was told you are to believe this. And he said yes. Well, I'll get into a little bit more of his details, but this is a man who is very good at what he what he does, and he was trained from a very young age. He was welcomed into Kaiser's Legion at a very, very young age, and because of it, is almost brainwashed, in a sense. He destroys the town of Nipton just to send a message that no one in NCR is safe. If you can ask him what lessons did he teach in the town of Nipton, he says where to begin. That you are weak and we are strong? This much you already know. But the depths of your moral sickness... Your dissolution? Nipton serves as the perfect object lesson. One of the things that he sees as the biggest crime that you could commit is disloyalty. He thinks disloyalty, he thinks that if you go back on somebody, if you betray people in your company, betrayal at any level, be it the simplest of you ate the last donut and someone was saving it, all the way to you sold out an entire town because you're greedy, he sees that as the same sin. And he sees to punish that in any way that he sees possible. And it shows how the Legion operates. It shows how the Legion goes about their own businesses. So I have to talk about Joseph B. Stein real quick. You may never have heard of this character before in New Vegas, and I wouldn't blame you. You can absolutely miss him. I know the name was familiar, but I didn't know where I knew it from. So Joseph B. Stein, he's the mayor of Nipton. He's from the hub originally and took 15% of all shopkeepers in Nipton. Now he's the mayor. He said he was going to help these people out and he took money from them. After the NCRCF prison break, he sent two people, Little and Big Jim, Little Jim and Big Jim, to make a business proposal to the Powder Gangers. The Jims were killed during these negotiations, but it was agreed that the Powder Gangers would be there during the day and the NCR at night. Now, these are two forces that are opposed of one another, right? The NCRCF is a direct breakoff of NCR prisoners that then start the Powder Gangers. NCR are the people who should have power over the prisoners. But because they one comes in the day and the other comes at night, uh, 
Volpus and Calta sees this as you are just doing this because it benefits you. If that is your enemy, your enemy should be dealt with. There is no fraternizing with the enemy. There is no being cool with the enemy. There's no you and I can coexist in a positive manner. Also, this meant that Joseph B. Stein, the mayor, was going to have money coming in constantly. He was going to have money coming in during the night and during the daytime because it was going to be open at all times. People were going to be coming in and out. No matter what he was going to do, he was going to be making some form of money. So I'd like to read off of the wiki real quick, and I get all of my lore off of fallout.fandom.com. There's, a, there's something I, I want to read. I want to read this... I want to read this terminal entry directly. This is one of uh, the, the mayor's, Joseph B. Stein's, entries. And it says a lot about who he is, but also tells you a lot about who Vulpus is and the town. I can hardly believe my luck. Literally, I'm agape. Just now I was approached by a rather intense young man calling himself Mr. Fox. Yeah, right, in parentheses. When we were all alone in my office, he let it be known that he is a member of Caesar's Legion, in parentheses, three exclamation marks. He knew that NCR troops and powder gangers often spent time in Nipton. It turns out that the Legion hates and wishes to make an example of both groups. The NCR for obvious reasons and powder gangers for harassing Legion raiding parties on this side of the river, the Colorado. I didn't have to think for... I didn't have to think a moment for Mr. Fox's proposal before accepting it. All I have to do is convince powder gangers to kidnap NCR troops at night. When both groups are in town, the Legion boys will scoop everybody up. Ha! For this simple task, I've been offered 8,000 caps, all caps. I could almost go back to the NCR right away, but who knows how much else I might make off of this Legion lackey. I'm going to start stockpiling some supplies in the safe house between here and the Mojave outpost, just in case I decide to head back home in a hurry. Very exciting. Signed with a steady hand, in parentheses, on a keyboard, Super Mayor Joseph B. Stein III Esquire. That is the most Ron Goulman shit I've ever read that he would sign off with, and I love that, but this is just an evil, evil man. So he's under the impression that Vulpus is going to be using this to capture both sides and attack both sides. But Vulpus stages the lottery where one person would win, that person being Oliver Swanick, and he ropes everybody into the town. He, anybody who's there that partook in any of this debauchery. They looked down on the debauchery, but they looked down on the hypocrisy as well. So it was pretty much everyone in town was going to be issued a ticket. There is a book, a short story, I forget who wrote it, called The Lottery, about people in a town being issued a lottery, and then they would some things would happen. I don't want to spoil it. I remember seeing either like a Twilight Zone episode or something on sci-fi when I was a kid based on it. The lottery was a trick, and everyone was meant to play... Volpus was so disgusted by Stein's greed and for his blatant not caring about anyone but himself that when he lost the lottery, he was burned alive on a tire fire. So everybody else is either crucified or they had their head put on a, a pike. Stein has arguably the most painful death. From everything I've ever read or seen or understood, burning to death is incredibly painful. Uh, I've never burned to death, but everything I've ever heard is it's like that and drowning are apparently like the one of two of the worst ways to go. Not a single person in Nipton tried to help their fellow man as they were hauled off 
and crucified or decapitated. Now, that's when you meet Vulpus. That's a little bit of a backstory, and you kind of got a two-for-one. You got to learn about Stein a little bit, but you got a two-for-one there, and it's a little bit of, a, of, of where you meet him in the game, right? So I feel like a lot of people, even if you just got to Nipton, said, huh, this looks kind of ghastly, and walked away, you got that picture. That's a little more in-depth of what kind of a picture you would have gotten. If you would have explored, read some terminals, talked to boxcars. Now, you can ask Caesar about Vulpus and Calta. You say, tell me a little bit about Vulpus and Calta. He said, Vulpus is the best of my fumentari, a remarkable individual from an unremarkable tribe south of the Utah. He was brought into the Legion as a boy, survived training, fought well as a legionary, to be promoted to the rank of Decanus. Then, in battle against an unimportant tribe, he broke rank and led contribution through a hole in their defenses to capture its chieftain. Well, his centurion wanted him crucified for his disobedience, so I made him fumentare. So here is Vulpus and Calta, someone who was a child when they were introduced to Caesar and his legion, and was told as a kid, this is the way the world works for you now. There's nothing you can really do about that. You have to learn how to deal with this, and he drinks the Kool-Aid. He becomes part of it. He believes in it. He becomes such a good soldier from because he's trained from such a young age he becomes such a good soldier that he goes above the person who's above him because he sees a direct line of action and because of it he is rewarded tenfold but a thing about vulpus is he doesn't just use brute force he doesn't just attack to attack he likes to use other ways to fight he's a master of disguise and he sees that there is a certain specialness, a certain kind of sauce, a certain kind of secret sauce to using deception, to saying, how do I, how do I get into the enemy lines, not let them know I'm there, feel things out, and then attack, attack when they're most vulnerable because they're most comfortable with me or my cohorts or something along those lines. Lanius wants a more direct way of conflict and Vulpus fears that he will not need him as much when Caesar is gone. And this is what I think is so interesting about Vulpus and Culta, is he's a man who should have the world before him, but got screwed out because of almost just campfire stories. I've spoken a little bit about the legate known as Lanius before, but let's talk about him a little bit right now. I'm not going to go super deep on who he is, but... He is Caesar's right-hand man. And when Caesar dies, be it because of age or his brain tumor or what have you, when Caesar dies, Lanius is next, and it should be Vulpus and Culta. Vulpus and Culta is the top-ranked fumentari. He is in charge of the fumentari. He is one of Caesar's... He's Caesar's, like, second-in-command. Second-in-command to the second-in-command. So he's third-in-command. He is incredibly brilliant he's incredibly strong he's not overly strong as physically but he's strong in in his tactics he's strong in the way he thinks about things he's strong in every other way but brute and here's here's lanius who's just eight and a half feet tall if he sneezes on you the wrong way he can break a bone and Caesar sees more power in that currently because he's just trying to push through. Because he lost once. 
and he lost his best man. He lost uh, essentially the closest thing he probably ever had to a friend, really, even as Caesar. He lost the burn man. He lost Joshua Graham. And they're not even allowed to say his name anymore. But here is, an, is Vulpus and Culta, and he kind of follows in the same footsteps of, of Graham as being smart and being resourceful. And Caesar's like, I, I'm not doing this again. And he fears that if anything happens to Caesar and Lanius lives and he's going to live, he's in a giant suit of armor, that it's just kind of over for him. Like, he's just going to not be as useful because he wants to do things where it takes a few extra steps, a little extra time. And Lanius is, no, there's a hole and I'm going to punch my way through that hole until the hole doesn't exist anymore and everyone on the other side is dead. Just to speak to how brutal this man is, though, Lanius can destroy you with his dominant hand tied behind his back and just a bare fist of his non-dominant hand. But according to Ulysses, you can ask him uh, about Drywells being destroyed and if it was his birthplace, and Ulysses will respond with, no, opposite of that, it is where my tribe was taken, where another history is put to the blade. Lesson, though, it is where we realize Vulpus did not approach us as equals, where we realize the wolf had come. We watched our history die. Now it belongs to Legion. Ellipses. That's not the full quote. After the campaign of, of Arizona, the twisted hairs that resisted assimilation into Kaiser's Legion were crucified and placed all along Interstate 40. This is a man who probably ordered this. If Caesar himself didn't say, I want them crucified, Lanius went, I'll show you. You want to you go against me? The Legion, but more importantly, Kaisar, I'll show you. Everybody on a cross. Everybody on a cross. Across I-40 until you hit. Because anyone who's going to come across that is going to see. This is what happens when you go against us. Don't come near us. Don't look at us. You, if you're not with us, you're against us. And if you're against us, you end up like these people on I-40. I want to talk about some of the attacks, some of the conquests that Vulpus and Culta is responsible for. Racket, which was a mission to infiltrate the Strip via the Omertas, and to, to speak more to how much Lanius disapproves of this, he actually doesn't condone it, and when you ask him about it, uh, he can say treachery is a weapon that one should never rely on. So, he then talks about how, because cause you speak to him if all the Omertas die, and they're not able to join the Legion, Lanius is happy about it, because they win against their own tribe. It's more honorable to die fighting for what you believe in. They kind of look down on it's like either die what you believe in or trade. And they let people into the Legion, but they kind of look down on them for, for not dying with their own people, for leaving their people behind. The Battle of Nelson, uh, he ordered a mole to Camp McCarran and then found out about a small town between Camp Forlorn Hope and Camp Searchlight and attacked before they could properly set up their own defenses, thus leaving the town a ghost town. And uh, there's just blood and sinew and bodies and stuff laying around from other people because he had the information. Caesar, if he didn't have a guy who had a guy who knew a guy to get him on the inside, this town would have never happened. This attack, which lowered morale for NCR soldiers and citizens of NCR and people of Vegas and its surrounding areas, lowered morale thinking that Caesar's Legion was about to take over. Nipton, which I just read about, the lottery, he put everybody's head on spikes and the only person who won was Oliver Swanick. The destruction of Camp Searchlight, he had legionaries re 
release toxic waste into the camp that was kept in the fire station. This weakened the NCR so much that Legion was allowed to set up camp at Cottonwood Cove. All of this made him so vilified by NCR that I'll put it on screen right now. Uh, he is part of their propaganda. He is a piece of propaganda that you can find. I know it's in uh, the trading post, the Mojave trading post to the, to the south. Uh, I know that you can see it there, and it's a picture of him. He is the enemy. He is the physical embodiment of what Caesar believes in. The mighty Kaiser is strong because his left and his right fist are Vulpus and Calta and Lanius. All of this, all of these attacks, everything west of the Colorado River, presumably, is by his hand. He is the man who set these th the these plans in motion. He also ha gives the courier the mark of Kaiser on the strip after you've confronted Benny. Like I said, Vulpus and Calta and Lanius have a bit of a rivalry. The two are quite ideological opposites, and Vulpus will show somber disappointment if Caesar is allowed to die during Et Tumor Brute, as well as relief if he lives, because he knows if Lanius becomes the next Kaiser, then he's done for. You can actually use Terrifying Presence on him as well, which I think is fantastic that if you have Terrifying Presence, you can kind of just puff your chest out, look down at him, and be like, boy, like Kratos, and just he gets scared and attacks. Vulpus has a special faction setting that causes most wasteland creatures, including Deathclaws and Supermutants, as well as Raiders, to ignore him instead of attacking him. He will still be attacked by robots and NCR forces, however. His entourage does not have this factional setting and will be attacked as normal by any wasteland inhabitants. He's only one of five named characters in the entire base game to have very evil karma, the others being Cook Hook, Duke, Mortimer, and Felipe. If Arcade Ganon is a companion while exiting the top for the first time, Arcade will comment on Vulpus, stating that he is one of the Legion's most notorious spies. He's one of my favorite characters because he's so underutilized. Uh, Caesar doesn't see the gold mine that he has before him. If he focused on Vulpus and Lanius together and used their, he would take over. Like, without a doubt, would just take over. I think it's so interesting to see how Vulpus and Culta embodies both the original Roman Empire and the Khazar Empire in the sense of the Roman Empire, they would get rid of other cultures. They would come into your town, they would take out most of your people, and then they would say, anybody else who wants to join can join, but you have to forget your name, your family, your people, your culture, everything. You belong to us now. Vulpus and Cult is a man who lost everything and gained everything, but still doesn't have anything at the end of the day. He wants to move in such a direction that, this, that the Legion that he now believes in, because he, told, he was told he has to, could move. The reason why I think Caesar has neutral karma and that Vulpus and Culta has very evil karma is because Vulpus and Culta is told that he has to do these things, that he has to be a part of this. Caesar genuinely just believes it. Caesar just thinks that he deserves the world. Caesar thinks that, that the world, that Vegas, that everything before him is, is his own Rome. That's why I think, like, I played a character that was a neutral evil character in D&D, a neutral evil meant that I wanted good things as long as, as long as the good things benefited me. So as long as you wanted me to win, 
like uh, Darth Vader, very much Darth Vader was like the, the thing that it was equated to. He's evil, but he wants things his way. And you could prosper under that if you decide to be a part of that. This man is very evil though. This man follows Caesar and Lanius is also neutral karma. And I think it's because he just thinks when the time comes, this is mine. It is rightfully mine. I am the heir to this. I, this belongs to me. I am owed this. Volpo's Occult is an incredibly interesting character. I love that he's got the, the fox on his head. I love that he's just... He feels like the, the ignored middle child. Like, he just feels like someone who knows that he's worth more, but has such a dedication to going, this is what I need to do. This is who I am. This is what I belong to. And when the time comes... Hopefully, I will be seen for who I am, for what I am. But that is the last lore segment of Monster Month, and that is this week's lore. Hey, everybody. Welcome to segment three. How are you? I'm rather excited today, if you can't already tell, if my demeanor seems a little bit more uh, than it usually is, because I have finally put together the final plans for Fallout New Vegas Day. If you are going, please come say hello. I will be there. Uh, I have plans to do something while I'm there. I don't want to give anything away. I don't know what time the event is. Uh, hopefully by next week I know. But I have a thing that I'm planning to do while I'm there. Please say hello. I'd love to just say what's up. We could talk about... We talk about Fallout like we're supposed to do over there. I would love to meet somebody. I've actually never met anybody who's listened to the show before other than like my friends. Um... Or like on Discord or something. So it'd be super cool to say, hey, say what's up. I was invited to a D&D &D game. I'm not sure if that's still going on. I'm expecting that I'll hear something in the upcoming days. But I'm going to play Caravan. Like I'm going to hang out. I'm going to have a good time. And like like I said earlier, I have a little bit of a, of a very like cosplay that I'm putting together. There's a few pieces that I might not get in time for the costume. And that's okay. I don't know how to put them together to be completely honest. Um, I've always been interested in cosplay. And this is the first part of a cosplay of many. And hopefully the episode before, it probably won't be the episode before, sometime soon before you'll see it. So you won't just see me in the, in the thing that I have. Again, it's super, super light. It's nothing crazy, nothing huge, but it's exciting. Um, I'm also just going to be in Vegas. I've just never been to Vegas. I lie. I was in Vegas when I was like two or three and apparently I fed catfish maybe on Lake Mead. I don't remember my, I, because I was like three. My mom told me that I have to go back to the lake, I don't know where, and feed the catfish again just to kind of close a 24-year loop. 25-year um, loop. But, you know, I have plans to go to the casinos. I have plans to go to the Museum of the Atom Bomb. Uh, there's just a bunch of cool shit in Vegas to do. I'm going to gamble a little bit, of course, because, you know, the idea of taking a couple bucks and turning into a couple more dollars is enticing. But I'll put a limit on myself. There's also a White Castle out there. Um, I'm going to I'm going to smoke a cigar while I gamble. Uh, you know, I'm just going to be kind of annoying about it. I'm just going to enjoy this. I'm only going to be there for a few days. I'm going to drive. It's a, it's a, it's several hours. <laughs> it's not a day trip, like in the sense of 24 hours, but it is quite a bit. 
and just, you know, enjoy my time, have a good time. And I can't wait to see everybody. I can't wait to play caravan. I can't wait to shake hands and I can't wait to just talk to people. I can't wait to just be around people that are also into the, and it's a two day thing and just be around people that are into the same thing that I'm into. And I really genuinely hope I get to see some of you there, any of you there, like, I have a feeling, and I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I have a feeling some people who may have worked on the game or some someone someone important is going to show up. Uh, there was an Obsidian representative there last year that took pictures and some video and then put it on their TikTok or their Instagram. And I'm excited to see, I'm excited to just see fans being fans. There's a bunch of stuff out there I want to see. I don't think I'm going to be able to see like the little alien or anything, uh, but just... I'm going to go do touristy shit and hang out and have a good time and just celebrate a thing that I love. And I'm so happy that there's other people that are willing to do it. And I can't wait to see everybody there. If you like this week's episode, uh, thanks. Thanks for sticking around. The intro music is by the one and only Shane Ivers. It's called Feather Duster. And you get all of his free music at silvermansounds.com slash free music slash feather duster. All of his music's free and it all slaps. In the description are links to the Patreon, which I suggest you check out. If you like the show, you can see it get a little bit bigger and a little bit better, and your voice gets heard even at the $1 tier or at the $10 tier. You can watch these episodes get live recorded in Discord. Link in the description to my Twitter, the show's Twitter, and Kyle's Twitter. Link to the Red Bubbles down there as well. A few other fun links like my Twitch. Thank you for hanging out this week. I love you very much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I enjoyed the hell out of the lore. I'll be seeing you all next week. Be safe. I love you. Bye. Atomic Radio Hour Podcast. This has been a production made by your friends at Goldman Entertainment.